Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Third Place Podcast, and really part two of episode 10, titled Who Am I? Unpacking Personality Assessments. If you haven't listened to the first part, you'll want to check that out before we dive deep into this interview. Super excited to have a friend with us today, Kirsten Moorfield of Cloverleaf.me. Cloverleaf has just been a fantastic platform that uh, does include a lot of personality assessments and helps teens see where they're at and what they can be working towards. So we invited Kirsten in and, and want to unpack what all these personality assessments mean, how they can be used, and, and how we can learn about each other and ourselves. So welcome, Kirsten. Kirsten, thank you for joining us today. I'm super excited to bring you into our audience. Uh, we were just talking. Uh, you and I have known each other for six years, and our families uh, have really gotten to know each other really well. So just really great friendship has developed a lot of conversations, so much around personality and how we think and process. And um, we met each other through just some business book clubs and trying to go deep, real deep, real quick. And so, um, so yeah, that's who you are to me. And, and, and you have quite a story to share with people about taking deeper dives and knowing who you are and who we are individually. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for the warm intro. So briefly, can you tell just, just for some context, a little bit about your work and like you, uh, your work at Cloverleaf? Yep. Yep, definitely. So I'm a co-founder of a technology company called Cloverleaf, and um, our platform pushes automated coaching to individuals about themselves, what's the best work that they can do, as well as their teammates. So how do they best understand and work with their teammates? Um, there's a whole bunch else that it does, but that's really the part that we're going to focus on today. Um, and part of that work is that I build partnerships with other assessment companies so that we can really get this rich psychological information about behavior styles, thinking styles, um, and we administer those assessments through our platform to automate that coaching to people. So very cool. And what I love about your platform is it really maps up all of these tests. I think for people that have done any kind of personality test in the workplace, probably DISC is where they've started just because it does a good job of of putting everybody's personality together and then unpacking how everyone communicates and works together. What you've yep. done and why I wanted to bring you into this conversation is your platform has, does it over multiple assessments. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really great to do it that way because um, one, you can, you know, you can dip your toes in with just one five minute disc assessment, or you can go deep with, you know, a bunch of different assessments. And the power of that is that you start to see different, pieces of, of how the whole puzzle fits together, whether it's, you know, Dave and I are very similar on 16 types, but we're very different on disc or whatever it is. And that starts to really color more about the relationship and, and what's really creating the reality that we're all living day to day. Right. Yeah. I always feel like the tests are a really great snapshot and, and oftentimes can very accurately describe who we are and how we process information or perceive the world. But it is just a snapshot and it's a best way to say it in a version of language and it's still not complete. And each test kind of has different strengths and weaknesses. So that big picture. 
um, I think makes a big difference. Yeah, there are a lot of skeptics out there. And that's like, so normal. Actually, there are like personality types on those assessments that are known to be skeptics. And it's always funny when you see that kind of lineup. You're like, of course, you don't like this. You're a four on the Enneagram. Enneagram fours <laughs> don't like to be put in a box. That's funny. Well, so I need help speaking to that because um, I am not a skeptic. All of my experience comes from just the more I know myself, the more it helps me understand how to be a better leader, a better manager, a better person overall with all of my personal and professional relationships. So um, I love these tests because it just continues to, like, I don't understand my own head. So therefore it keeps me learning more about myself, which helps me. So can you speak to that a little bit or what, where do you fall in to that whole thing? Like, am I a skeptic of assessments? Um, well, I can't be anymore because I've learned so much about them. But I mean, there, I, I definitely can relate. Like, I can understand how people would be like, hey, you know, if I just answer the same hundred questions somebody else did, how, do you, how does that help you really understand why I do what I do? But really, over time, as you, um, as you first get your results, and then as you get, like, especially, like, through Cloverleaf, how we do, like, that automated ongoing coaching. So it's not like a one-time learning. It's really, like, over time presenting it to you people start to see, oh my goodness, there is actually something to this. Like, that is true of me. Or like, that isn't true of everybody. Like, where people can start to understand more um, what, what used to be so unknown or just taken for granted. You start to see it over time. And then that really is what kind of breaks down the skepticism, is the accuracy. So... What what is your personal story? Like what is it that drew you to this work? Was it Yeah, totally. So um on the assessment side, I took an assessment in my twenties. I took Strength Finder when I was probably like twenty-four years old. And I honestly hated my results. I was like, There's nothing strong about this. These are my weaknesses. Like it said, you know, you wanna be in a corner reading a book or like just thinking about problems in your head. And I was like, yes, I do love to do those things, but that provides no external value. That doesn't create any work. Um, and I kind of had my own journey of realizing like that I'm strategic minded and that there is value in things that I used to actually be like embarrassed by and that I don't have to be the strongest individual contributor, like in terms of execution of work to be valuable. So I was kind of, really stressed thinking that's the one and only way to operate. Um, and then I, it kind of opened my eyes to realize like there's a whole complex system of how to be valuable to the world. Um, but that said, that's actually not why I started the company. We, we did not start the company to be an assessment company. And actually that's only a small, like beneath the surface part of what we do, but it just provides such an awesome data set that we partner with assessment companies to do that. Um, the reason why we started the company is Darren and I used to work together and um, we had this team that just everybody loved coming to work every day, like loved working with each other, got complex problems to solve where we passionately disagreed in really respectful ways and came up with really awesome creative solutions. And we were all overworked. We were all underpaid. We were all stressed. We all had like normal challenges. And yet for some reason we just loved working together. And um, I, I just really wanted to 
scale that experience to people um, because because there were also some people who came into that team and did not fit and did not love working there, right? So it was really about how do we make visible this invisible thing about a team and about what it's like to to have a really solid culture and how can we help more teams build towards that? Yeah. I'm curious, did you did you come to the fact that then you dug into what your team dynamic was and where each one of you was coming from, from that assessment standpoint to be like, oh, this is the golden nugget that we need to share that will help scale that experience. I loved that statement, scale that experience. I've never heard anything like that before. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the beauty of technology is you can scale anything. Um, so <laughs> um, I, I actually, at that company, I I led a team and I had them take multiple assessments and then we just like went to my apartment one day and chatted about it. And it was like, as a leader, I was super frustrated because I was like, how do I actually leverage this information? Well, so it wasn't the, the genesis of our company to be like, we'll use assessments to like change the world. Um, but that just kind of is such an awesome data set. It just is presented through like 40 page reports that aren't very interactive, you know? Um, so the reason was your question like around how like why did we want to scale it or like how did we come to assessments? Yeah, mostly how you came to assessments or that in in you realizing wow you know I've been in that situation too where I just had such a golden team like I can remember like we called ourselves the dream team right and and how because like you could make up all these um, theories as to why you are that but like I'm just yeah how you came to assessments from that and clearly that must have been a piece of the puzzle of like, oh, there's a light bulb of, of course, look at, there seems like, you know, your Cloverleaf platform is so visual, which is what I love. And to me, I feel like I can look at something, you know, whether you're looking at the quadrant or you're looking at a pie and you get to see where the balance lies. And so mm -hmm. I wonder if you recognize a pattern of balance or if that had nothing to do with it. And then therefore you're like, yeah, yeah assessments are it. Well, the interesting thing is that, like, while I did assessments with that team, like, there's not one correct formula, like, of, oh, you should have this many people who fit this box of an assessment to have the dream team, right? Like, there's no formula like that. It's actually more um, trainable things that, that make for a powerful team. So it's cognitive diversity. It's psychological safety. It's, like, it's safe to disagree. It's safe to have conversations where you don't yet know the answer. Like there's, there's like many other things like being curious about disagreements that you can actually train people into, but we are in a society or a humanity. I don't know. Is it just American where like, if somebody disagrees with you, our default is to judge character. And so the beauty of assessments is it can visualize and it can explain why some of these differences are happening. So it's not about like, you know, Dave is thinking out loud about an idea and he's just always changing his mind. He's actually not changing his mind. He's evolving his thinking process. Um, whereas like, you know, somebody who's always asking questions isn't always challenging you because they think you're incompetent. It's because right. they're trying to understand the details because, hey, somebody's got to get the details right. Yeah, so it's like that awareness to as a stepping stone to get you to have the compassion or have the ability to know where someone's coming from. I mean, like one thing that David and I talk about a lot that has come up for me is 
saying that what you say is not who you are. And so to that, that made me think of that. It's like, okay, what if we can not be judged by the way that we process or move through or speak through things and otherwise just be curious and understand it and then be more productive and relatable in that way. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Like how can you just leave people room to be who they are and to respect who they are and to actually then like see their strengths and leverage them instead of feeling them as personal attacks against your own strengths or weaknesses. It came up when you said you first took your strength finders and then you didn't like the results, but it's coming up now, like in the team dynamic, to me, one of the things that speaks to both of those, and maybe as we wrestle with the knowing yourself more is that weaknesses are okay. Like we all have them. And like even starting with that baseline of I'm not good in this area. And that's, that's great. Like that Mm -hmm. means I'm strong in all these other areas. So whether that's Mm -hmm. the individual, like I wonder if some people that don't want to take the assessments, it makes me wonder if like, we just don't want to admit that where we might have areas of weakness. And then also the same thing with the team dynamic, like that we don't have to be right all the time that we can ask the question that we can say something that's wrong and be corrected, but that's still really healthy for a team dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the skeptics that we run into have some baggage because of people misusing this and, and putting the wrong pressure on you. And, and plus we all, we just all have this internal pressure to be all things to all people. Right. And we like, how much different would the whole world be if we just had the freedom to safely recognize I am not good at details. And that is exactly why I need Matt on my team because Matt is awesome with the details and I'm not attacked by that. I'm actually grateful. And I'm also not feeling the pressure of I should figure out the details for Matt. I'm feeling the freedom to go to Matt to help me figure out the details. So yeah, it changes everything when you can have the lens of it's okay that there are certain things I'm not good at and I'm just going to find the right other pieces of the puzzle, the right teammates to help me fill in those gaps, not just for myself, but for our overall team productivity. Yeah. Something, something you said right now just struck a chord with like relating to the third place um, where you said, you know, that people they've had assessments in the past and then it's been used against them when they understood um, you know, maybe it was even a making fun, like, oh, of course, Mary is so this way. Like, I, I mean, I think all of us have probably had little minor levels of that, but I've witnessed it and experienced it myself in leadership. And I feel like the goal of the third place, what we're trying to do is to create safe spaces to have dialogue that is charged. And I feel like there's a connection in what we're talking about, about how to create safe spaces and how to give permission maybe you can expand on how Cloverleaf is doing just that. Yeah, well, I can speak. The first thing that comes to my mind is actually through our product. So we went to a um, customer and did a a rollout. Like we implemented with a bunch of people inside this one company. And we went kind of like as observers to see like, what is it like when this happens with a bunch of people, right? And it was interesting because we got a lot of questions like, Hey, you know, I got this tip on Mary. It says that um, like positive feedback is really important to Mary. So does that mean I just never tell her where she like needs to improve? And mm. I was like, 
how about you ask Mary that question? Or how about you, you know, like, it was just really interesting to me, the things that people started asking questions about was really missing some, what I consider basic team information, which is like, you do have that messy third place. Like you do have this, the, the space to ask each other questions and you have curiosity to, um, to, to, to not know the answer. Right. And to mm. also for it not to be about a judgmental thing. Like I get this tip on Mary that she likes positive affirmation. And then I just quickly jump to Mary can't handle constructive feedback, you know, instead of being curious that, Oh, I wonder how then I can better give Mary constructive feedback. You know, it's, so, so we actually created this huge email campaign. It's like 20 emails long. I mean, how long does it take? It takes like five months for someone to go through this email campaign, but it's, it, we call it our culture building campaign that we now do with every rollout because it's teaching people some of these super basic things like how to have a growth mindset over a fixed mindset. Um, so, so, so yeah, that's, that's one answer of like, how do we work to create that? To create the culture where people can be curious and ask those questions and have better conversations. But I will say it's really hard work because like we do it internally. Like, so for example, my co-founder Darren and I are pretty much opposite on a lot of these assessments. We're very, very different people. And it's wonderful to see like back at the beginning of us working together when actually there was there's always stress when you're starting a company, but there was a lot of stress. Like we didn't have income. Somehow both of our cars died, like just weird random life things happening. And like through that messy process where there was a lot of external stress, we were also just still learning how to work well together. And like he makes decisions so differently than I do. And so it really came down to us building trust in each other to be committed and then from there, we could just wrestle. And we still do. Like, it's very normal for the team to hear an impassioned conversation between Darren and I, where we just see things really differently. But we view that as a benefit to the company, not as a personal attack to our own leadership or authority. Yeah, the word that you used often several moments ago was safety, that we just kind of keep coming back to. Like, to even see that employees like the leaders of the company kind of going back and that it can be then re viewed as a healthy thing is also an example of safety right for the team to to realize that they can engage in dialogue in a similar way and just just how that's such a the key foundational component of all these kinds of third place conversations it's just going back to safety. yeah yeah, and it is good for them to see it, but we do also have situations come up like where where we're dealing with a, a team member's past baggage, like they have baggage of not having safety, and then we notice like we just have to call that out, like, hey, you're actually not attacked. You are doing great work, and I need to hear what you're thinking, or, you know, like where we where we actually it would be a lot easier to not have those conversations, but, but you have to lean into that to like train the culture because it is really going against the grain. Or we have other times when an employee is upset about something from another team member and we don't solve that problem for them. We don't triangulate that relationship. We help them process. We say, great, now you know you need to go talk to that person, right? <laughs> and, 
and then we 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 put it back on them to facilitate that own conversation for themselves. Wow, that's really cool. When you think about like the evolution of Cloverleaf, like what are the things that you're learning to continue to build into those around you as you learn more about yourself? So on the personal side, I I am very much a big picture thinker. I am really not good with details. They're very, very draining to me. Um, but, you know, I've had to do that so every day. So I don't know day. about that at all. I, I don't right. know. Right. No, actually, I, Maybe I you tell, and I commiserate on this. <laughs> I tell people all the time, it's like, I'm so, I'm not good at details. And I had someone, like, I have a similar team member in our ownership of our business, but the complete opposite of me. And he's like, it's like, you can't walk. I'm like, no, I, I can walk. Like I can do details, but I'm really good at riding my bike. So let me just mm -hmm. ride my bike, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, right. it's still that strength. Like I just want to build and own my strengths and own my weaknesses and make sure I surround myself with the people that are detail driven. So I can really keep focusing on vision and big picture. So yeah. Okay. I'm going to pause your question. I'm going to, I'm going to dig into something real quick. So you said, he said, it's like, you don't know how to walk. And that's an example of the pressure of like, he is probably so good at details that he doesn't understand that for some people, it's not, it's not that it's a choice to just be like lazy, like, Oh, I just want to do details. And this is nothing against your other member of your team. It's actually more just like a statement on humanity and culture that like we we are we are so sometimes unaware of our own strengths that we then perceive other people as having a weakness instead of just recognizing this is my value. I have this value I can offer to the team. Like that team member couldn't do your books or your whatever, like and rock it and be proud of that. And then also recognize like I don't know how to ride a bike. Thank God David does. Like I'm gonna ask him for help on this, you know? Um so, so yeah, just quick little tangent there. Um, I, I, so, so yeah, I'm not good with the details. And so my next evolution is actually like, I, we're getting really close to some growth where I can lean much more into my real strength. So when people talk about like discovering your personality, your behavior, your strengths, it doesn't create an excuse for you to stop doing some things that you need to do but it can create awareness for you to start a career path towards what you are best at. And so I'm getting really close on my career path to get to hand off and, and hire on some people to take care of some of the stuff that they're going to just do so much better than me. And I'm really excited about that. So that's next for me. And also, I, I mean, I totally have room to grow in the messy third place like in actually having uncomfortable conversations, performance management, shoot, I could get better at that because I just love to think about the deep or not the details. I love to think about the big picture, the potential for the future. I love to like, just we're all kumbaya and happy, but you can't have a high performing team if you're not really productive, if you're not producing work that you're really proud of. So that's a space I can still grow you know, KPIs and holding people accountable and things like that. That's why he's laughing so much because you and I are like, and I'm pretty sure Mary and Darren are a lot alike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah but 
Well, and I'm, you know, what's coming up for me is I'm curious, like, so it feels clear to me that you are self-aware and that's what we're talking about. And I'm wondering, you know, with self-awareness, how do you channel that self-awareness? What is something, small practices you've done in the past that once you have that awareness, that's taking you from one step to the next step that you're, you're trying to go the direction you're trying to evolve or what's something you're going to wrestle with or experiment with? Um, moving forward to help you continue to use that awareness for keeping you on path? Yeah, that's a really great question. So first of all, I think that self-awareness is the first step to, to leading a team the best that you can, because as you become more self-aware of how you're wired, you become more aware of how you are not wired. And that creates this grid of seeing the people around you. So you start to see like, Back to the details example for Dave and I, not good at details. Oh, thank God this person is. I'm going to lean into them for that, right? So as you start to accept those things about yourself and see them about yourself, you can then start to see them about your team and you can then create like assignments and work for them that somebody has to do and thank goodness they love it and they're good at it, right? But how do you build that? How do you get there? Like it definitely doesn't happen overnight. And I just would recommend like if so good to just start with an assessment. I mean, the ones on Cloverleaf, almost all of them are free. So you can just go on and take some free assessments and get your results and just look at them and find what really stands out to you the most. Like, so for example, realizing that I was strategic thinking and strength finder was the biggest thing that initially stood out to me and I hated it, but it then stuck out in my brain and I started noticing like, oh, leaders are strategic thinking. Oh, like there's these different roles that I can do that have to do with that, right? So like when you take an assessment, something will stand out to you and it will be something you really don't like or it will be something you really wish you could like more, but you've never given yourself permission for and sit with that. And I mean, there's there's a million things you could do if you like really pay money for it or get coaching or whatever, but like the most approachable thing is just sit with what really stands out to you and give yourself carved out time to think about it. Like I have a recurring thing on my calendar for 30 minutes at the end of every day. It's just called no screen time. <laughs> and I am supposed to just sit and write in a book. I mean, you could call it journaling, but just write in a notebook, like get out of like everybody else controlling my to-do list and just write out what's on my mind. And that leads to revelation of, oh, we should like delegate these types of things to somebody else because I'm not good at them or they're draining me or I can't delegate them to anybody else but at least I can add this one thing to my day that does energize me and is exciting to me um so yeah I, I would recommend to summarize that take an assessment see what stands out to you and then sit with it write about it and 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 the answers really do come to you and if they don't, then there's coaches and there's all kinds of other help out there. There are exercises. You can just Google them and find them. There are, there are free resources and paid resources to help you um, do deeper self-discovery. I love all that because, and that, I think that for anyone trying to think about self-growth, how do you do it in a way that's not overwhelming and how do you do it in a way that's not like another thing to do on your to-do list, but right. Uh, like we do need to carve a little bit of time, but if they can be these small steps, then we can start to think and wrestle and, and grow. So. Yep. 
Yeah. And I mean, that's a really big part of it is like, do not listen to this and feel overwhelmed because like, then you take no action. There are baby steps. Just take an assessment, see what stands out to you. Talk to somebody about it, write about it, think about it. And that will illuminate next steps for you. And maybe don't just stop at one because I have some assessments that resonate with me way more than other ones just in the way that it reads or the way that I read it, right? Which I'm sure you could dive so deep into just that in itself. But I love that. And I think that like use it as sort of a, a game, like you guys, I think have gamified it a little bit where it is fun and playful and short and concise. So it doesn't have to be this like super long two hour comprehensive test, which is fun. But like when it does resonate with you, then maybe you dive deeper and sort of just explore, especially being that you guys offer all of them. So for free, I mean, that's unreal. Yeah. The, the other thing, like, I think maybe this is next level and this a hundred percent is third place, like to take the assessment and, you know, and sit with the thing that makes you mad about it or, or like that you didn't know, or that you don't like about yourself, whatever. But then who is that trusted friend that you could encourage to take an assessment with you also but could you be a mirror for each other? Like, is this mm-hmm. really who I am? Like, have you seen me respond in this way? And then that's definitely that gray space where that friend's feedback really is probably the best thing that can help you unpack whatever assessment you take. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It sometimes one of the most helpful things to building self-awareness is getting somebody else who sees us really clearly. Um, my husband and I have sometimes just spent like, an evening looking over each other's like 16 types report and being like oh my gosh you do that that's right gosh that's so annoying oh but it's actually a good thing like it's actually a good thing okay here's how we can use that for a good good thing in our family well cool uh thank you so much i think this was um i mean i like i said i always just love hanging out with you anyway but uh and we talk family stuff, but we always talk about work stuff too, because it's just, it's like, it's this, and it's super fun to, to go deep and, and thank you for going deep with us and our audience and sharing some insights. Yeah, yeah. Dave, you and I are both really passionate about how business can really impact the world. And one of the best ways to do it is to start businesses and be self-aware leaders and, and work really hard on not just creating excellent products, but creating excellent places to work where people can bring their best and be really proud at the end of the day. So it's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. That's the hope. That's the dream. That's the dream. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Well, that was super fun. I hope you guys enjoyed getting to meet Kirsten. Definitely go to the website cloverleaf.me. Take out uh, one of those personality assessments that you can take for free, have coffee with a friend, take a deep dive, learn a little bit about yourself, and embrace personality assessments in the third place. Be well.